John's um, telling kind of snaps your head back. And it's way bigger in John's gospel. So let me read a few. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. So there's this idea of the Word. Is First of all, he's tying in their Jewish scriptures in the beginning. That's the beginning of their story, right? So he's saying, here's another story that fits your story. Um, but it's, it's, a new, it's a new beginning to that beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So this is taking you back to the beginning. So sort of like Matthew has a perspective, Mark has, or, or Luke has a perspective, but John takes the, takes the camera and zooms way out. I want you to see so much more of this. This goes way, way back. One person said, maybe the best. This is a story not about Jesus, but about Christ. Food for thought. In case you didn't know, if you're new to the party, Christ is not Jesus' last name. He's not? No. My dad, Joseph Christ, my mom, Mary Christ, my brother. Sister Sally Christ. Christ is this title. And so Jesus, the Christ, is bigger. And so this isn't the story so much. In, in John's gospel, it's not about the village and the Nazareth and the manger and all that. This is, this is, this, the lens gets zoomed way out. It's bigger. And it says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all men. So this gospel, John's gospel, is a story about life and how Christ gives us life. In the middle, it says, Jesus says, I have come to give you life. I've come to give you life and life in its most abundant form. At the end, it says these things are written so that you would believe and that in believing you would have life. So this is, a, this is a story about life. In the middle, Jesus presents himself as a door, you know, a door. You enter, you find life. And so this is a call to something bigger than um, the other Gospels. Now, it goes on to say, he came to his own but his own received him not. That is the general consensus by most people of his own people where they didn't receive him. Quick question for you, ready? Quick question. If you were alive, think, if you were alive and on the planet when Jesus of Nazareth walked around and you heard of him or you got wind of him or he traveled through your town, would you have received him? Ready? Yes, or would you have welcomed him? His message, his teaching, his way. Would you? Ready? Ready to vote? Yes. How many yeses? Three. Uh, you don't know what to do, do you? I, 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 am I going to get kicked out of here today? Would you have received him? So here's an interesting thing. All right, let's go vote on this side. Think if you were if you were alive, if you were walking around and you lived, you know, 
on uh, South Capernaum Street, and Jesus came by on his way to the synagogue, and people were receiving him or welcoming him or rejecting him, would you have welcomed him? Yes, I would. Really? So what you're saying is they didn't get it, but you would have gotten it. Because, why? Because now I lived and I could, no, not that you've lived now and you've gone back in time, but it was fresh to you. In other words, let's ask this question. Why didn't, if he came as life, why didn't people receive him? Why didn't they? Boy, yeah, it would be a no-brainer. It's so easy. No, you haven't read the Gospels. They didn't exist. All you had was this, Traveling rabbi of sorts, claiming all of these different things, people following him around. Would you? I think a lot of us would like to say, yeah, of course I would have. But maybe if we pause long enough, we might say, you know, I'm not sure. We like to think of ourselves as exceptional. But the reality is most of us just sort of fall in line with everyone else. Look at you with your plaid on today. Look at you with your jeans on, right? If this was a different kind of church, right, and I had a suit and tie on and everyone else had a suit and tie on, guess what you would feel the pressure to do? Have a suit and tie on. That is to say, we, we, whether we can, can accept it or not, we all are a little bit conformist. We sort of go to what's around us. And for some reason, he came, but his own didn't receive him. Why would you reject Christ? I think one of the more important reasons, and it's sort of the story in John's gospel, is they rejected Christ because Christ pointed something bigger than their religion could contain. Stay with me. This was bigger than their religion. Their religion was like a box. They had it all set up, and they knew who was in their religion. They knew who was out of their religion. And Jesus comes along, and this is really important. If you've ever read John's Gospel, he's constantly kicking the edge of the box. So he heals a person. When does he heal them? Thursday afternoon? Monday morning? When are you reading John's Gospel? He heals them on the what? Sabbath. Why? Because like in Braveheart, Mel Gibson said, I'm going to pick a fight, right? He would do these things for some particular reason. And the question is, what's the reason? Why would you, if you're going to heal somebody, why would you do it on the Sabbath? Why is it recorded... Uh, in John chapter 5 or John chapter 9, that these things happened on the Sabbath. These people had become sort of addicted, can I say this, to their religion. And Jesus didn't fit inside of their religion. He was part of it, but he kept pushing beyond it. That is, he pointed beyond what was normal, he pointed beyond to something bigger. Or as Paul said, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. John chapter 9, there's a man born blind. Jesus, what? Heals him. Heals him. 
And in verse 13, it says, they bring him, they bring him to the Pharisees. Now, just think about that for a minute. Who gets, they have nothing to do with the Pharisees in this story. And all of a sudden, the man's healed and it's a Sabbath. So they bring them in. I'm hauling you in. Anybody ever been hauled in? It was, they, they were hauled in. Now, you'll get this. If you've ever read the, the Gospel of John, you get this idea. They had guards. They had police, their, their, their religion. Their religion had guards, police, and spies. I'm just telling you. After a while, the religion, the box, became the thing they were worshiping. And now... If anything was done outside of the box, they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to handle it. And so they persecuted it. You'll see, over and over, they grabbed stones to stone him. They wanted to silence him. In the story, the man's healed. They bring him to the Pharisees. And they start to question him. And when they, they question him, he says, he goes, well, I, he kind of says, like, well, I don't know. What, why are you asking me so many questions? Do you want to be his disciple too? And this is a very important question. The Pharisees were disciples, they said, of Moses. We're disciples of Moses. You're a disciple of this fellow. Look here, look here. What they knew was their religion. What they knew was their tradition. What they followed was, mo and anything that came outside, they couldn't, they couldn't handle it. That is to say, Christ is bigger. Bigger. And so for you to receive Christ, ready? Your container has to get what? Bigger. Or as Jesus says in the third chapter, you have to be born, what? Again. You have to have a whole new start. You have to hold, have a whole new receptive system. And what they had wouldn't allow. He just wouldn't fit in their worldview. And so, man said, I, I, I don't know. All I can tell you is I was blind and now I can see. The, the, I, I can't tell you about this. I can tell you that I was this and now I'm this. This whole story is a story about the Pharisees, about the fact later on they let him go, they're frustrated, um, and they let him go, and Jesus bumps into the guy again in the story. And they start talking about it, and in the conversation, he's having this conversation with Jesus, and here's what they come to. The people that think they can see are the ones that are actually blind, Jesus says. The people that think they can see. In other words, this is hard for us to hear, but everybody look. We want to believe, right? I would have been the guy. I would have saw it right away. I would have got it right away. But perhaps it's those of us that think that we see that are the most blind. And the people who are blind, see, this is a great metaphor. He turns it and he says, those people that realize they don't see are the ones that actually can see. How in the world could you miss something that was so big, so right there, and so obvious? Because they were stuck with what they knew. 
and they couldn't handle something new approaching them. The Pharisees had decided, listen, the Pharisees had decided anyone who follows Christ is going to be expelled from the synagogue. So they haul the parents in in the story. The parents get brought in and they say, uh, you know, tell us about your son. And the parents, ready? They say, he's of age, ask him. In other words, the parents don't want to weigh in because they knew they were going to get expelled from the synagogue. They were going to be removed from their community. You have to understand, this was the center of their life. You're going to be removed. Here's what happens, listen, when you've all, the Pharisees, it says they've already decided. We get into trouble when we've already decided about some things. Who, in, in your lifetime, you already decided about something and then later you had to change your mind. I already decided that was bad. I already decided I never wanted to live there. I already decided these people were. I, and then later on, like, wait a minute, why did I decide that? In leadership, they're teaching something now called thinking gray. And in a black and white world, I know this doesn't go over with a lot of people, but there, this is a really important concept. Think. Thinking gray means this, holding suspension of thought the longest possible time. That is to say, I can hear this side, I can hear this side, I can weigh it, I can receive it. But what the Pharisees couldn't do is they couldn't delay their decision. They had to decide right now. Now, why? Because this was their system. This was their box. And at all costs, they had to protect the box. And if Jesus comes to them and he's healing people and he's making blind see and all these wonderful things, it doesn't matter because he didn't fit inside their what? System. He did it on the Sabbath. He did it on the Sabbath. Religion, ready? When it gets to this form, fights against life. Listen very carefully. It fights against life. Jesus comes to bring life, and religion fights against life. So these guys got to the point where life for them was a litmus test. Litmus test. Is it this or this? The whole story starts out, who sinned, this man or his parents? The story's always about sin. Read the whole thing in John. Sin, sin, sin. Who's a sinner? You're a sinner. Then they, they end the whole thing. This is how they end the whole thing. They tell the guy, the blind man, you were steeped in sin from birth. Nice. In other words, I don't know how to deal with you, so I'm just going to go back to what? Calling you a sinner. Beyond this, Jesus brings life. When they ask him who sinned, this man or his parents, most people would say both. Both. Jesus says, what's the answer? John 9, 2. Neither. Not both. Neither. This isn't about sin. So when you have this box, what you have to do is you have to label people. These people are sinners. These people are saints. These people are in. These people are out. And then you create a litmus test. And this is how you decide. If you answer these questions this way, you're in. If you don't answer them this way, you're out. 
quick question. Anybody grow up in something along those lines? Isn't it funny? Look, look. Isn't it hilarious that we created a religion named after the one who fought against this very kind of thinking? It's as if he's come again and we've missed it all over again. I came, he said, to give you life. One, two, three. I came to give you what? Life. Has religion, whatever form it's come, Ever bumped against life in your world? And you were told, sacrifice your life. Take the what? Religion. Sacrifice health. Take the rule. Now, here's the reality. This is where it always meets the road. Ready? Ready? You have a sick kid in here? Anybody have a, if anybody has a sick kid in here? Um, I, I just find myself just doing this with Charlie, just doing this. Just every protective thing I can do. Protect her from anything and everything, right? You have a sick kid. Someone says to you, I can heal your daughter. I can heal your son. But you're going to have to miss church. <laughs> Some of you laugh. Ah, just a little snow and I'm out of here. Are you kidding me? Right? So here, that's America. Like, give it a break, Chris. That's not even a good example. Ready? Ready? You never go to church again. You know the answer. You're trying to act like you don't know the answer, but you know the answer. The answer is absolutely healer today. I'll find another way. You know the answer. You were a little conflicted when I said the rest of your life because you're, you're in church and you feel kind of conflicted. But the reality is, you know the answer. There is no debate. It's yes, life. Life, absolutely. Life, healing, health, wholeness. This is the, it's an absolute yes. It's a no-brainer. It's not a think about it for a week. It's absolutely. I have a, I have a child with cancer. Is it? If it's ever country, so Jesus does this on the Sabbath for a very important reason. He has to get them to see that the religion, their religion, had become anti-life, and he had to say, "I came to bring you life." What do you do? Ready? What do you do when it comes against the religion? You choose life. In him was what? Life. This morning, by the way, once it gets you, it gets you. That's why I think Jesus said it was like being born again. It just starts all over in you. You become a champion of life. This morning I was getting ready to let the dog out, and I see outside uh, there's a deer. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be bad because if I let the dog out, he's going to chase the deer. I'm going to be out all morning looking for the dog, right? So I'm trying to delay the dog because of the deer, right? And the deer's, but the deer's just sitting there. And, like, they don't just usually sit there and just, so I thought, what in the world's going on? And I'm watching for a little bit, and then the deer gets up. And I could tell right away it would probably been hit by a car. It was limping, you know. 
And it was the hardest thing to watch that deer just kind of limp, just kind of drag one leg along. Nothing, whatever he did, they just gasped. Like, oh, why? Listen, down here, you believe in life. Down here, you believe in life. Every one of us. And so what happens is this. Religion, look, look, religion can do so much good to get you to a certain point. Paul called them training wheels, right? Under my paraphrase from Galatians. Training wheels, right? Anybody have training wheels growing up? Training wheels, huh? You want to admit it? Get training wheels. Put them on there, right? Dad's like, no, nah, my dad just drove me on a bike and threw me down a Training wheels, it gets you started. It gets you used to the idea. It gets you the general orientation of how things go, how things are. And then you get to a point in life where you want to, you want to take a corner. And you're like, no, you can't take that corner. You've got to just go like this. And your religion says, no, you have to stay like this. So Christ comes, ready? This is so important. And Jesus takes the training wheels off. And people just start freaking out. No, no. And he's like, no, I want you to ride. I want you to experience life. And they are stuck in the system. The system, look, is good enough. It gets you to a point where you, then you can ride. You can, look at spirit and life. This is how it says, at the end of John's Gospel, I wrote these things so that you would believe and believe you would have life in his name. So everyone here, this is important, look. This year, make it about life. Make it about the, the poor in, in Pontiac who are serving with our gift away this year. Make it about children. Make it about people that are hurting. The other day I went, a couple days ago, I went to visit a lady who's 102 years old. Took her communion. We sat. We talked. She's not very coherent. Every opportunity that you have, listen, is an opportunity to give life, give life, support life, celebrate life. And as much as religion, as much as scripture, as much as tradition gets you going that direction, good, good, good. And then when it stops, this is so important, please listen. When it gets in the way, just slow down. He was, ready, a stumbling block. Says, why would they stumble over Jesus? Because Jesus didn't fit inside of the box, and they didn't know what to do with him. You too, ready? You too will stumble over Jesus from time to time. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus, of course, but you also will stumble over him because there will be times where he will point to things that are bigger than you ever imagined. Snap your head back. Let me say one more thing about 
John's Christmas story. This is important. John was saying, in the beginning was the logos, the word. You could say the, the plan, the pattern for life. Christ is the pattern for all of life. And every single person here needs to know the pattern for life. I don't think that God has a plan for your life or my life that is micromanaged. You know, God has every day, he wants you to, you know, buy this at the store and wear this shirt and do that. I don't, I don't think it's that. But here's what I do believe. I believe that there's a pattern. And in the beginning, there's this pattern. And this is what it tells for every one of us. Your life is a part of a bigger story. Your life matters because it's a part of a much bigger story. And so when we get it right, everyone look, when we get it right, we're fitting into the bigger pattern. We're playing our role in the bigger story. Or as Paul said, we're a part of the body of Christ, right? You have a role to play. Your life has significance and meaning. And this year, my hope and prayer for every single one of you is this. Find your place in that pattern. Find your, your part in the body. Find what it is that God's put you here on earth to do. Right before Charlie was born, I said to Vicki, this is what I said, I, I should know the answer to this because I'm a pastor, but I don't. But I go, where did she come from? I mean, I, I guess, you know, you understand the, like the biology and you understand some of, but like, do you, assume, you understand the question? Where does she come from? She, her essence of her. Theologians and philosophers try to have words, you know, the soul or whatever, but where did she come from? There's a whole new she. This is what John was talking about, where he came from. In the beginning, it's all part of a much bigger. So look here. This is so huge. Don't think of your life as small. Don't think of yourself as insignificant. Don't think of you just, you're not that important. No, my friends, you are thought of from the very beginning. The blueprint was, had your name on it from the very beginning. And you're a part of a much bigger pattern, a much bigger plan. Bigger than I could conceive of, right? But you matter. As you go to this new year, I want you to think about it. I always say this, you know, you think a lot about yourself, but you didn't think of you. You think about you, but you didn't think of you. Someone else thought of you, and you're here. You're here by God's design and, and divine purpose and divine plan. And God wants each and every one of us to find our part of that larger purpose. Now listen, it doesn't mean it's, it's not always big. People think, oh, I found it. You know, I found my purpose because I wrote a best-selling book or I made a TV show and I hit it big. Therefore, I know I found it. No, that's misunderstanding it completely. 
Sometimes you know your purpose. Uh, well, I found mine this week when you're changing a diaper. Sometimes you know your purpose when you're doing yard work. Honestly. Sometimes you find your purpose in the simplest and the smallest things of life, but you realize I'm connected to something that's much bigger than me. Let's stand.